Yeah, we were pretty uh reasonably well behaved in high school. I think the the worst trouble we ever got into was when we started selling uh Mountain Dew and did you guys ever have balls the Hell yeah. uh the drink that came in like the nubbly blue glass bottle that had like more <laughs> caffeine than anything else on the market? No. But oh, I yeah, wish I we had. Would, we would just It was we, like before Red Bull. It was like the, one of the first like energy drinks. I remember we would buy it and it came in these like blue glass bottles and one time i brought some over to my girlfriend's house and we drank them and then we threw them away and her parents found them in the trash and thought it was like zima or something oh, yeah, like totally. that no they <laughs> totally looked like uh like one of those alco pops yeah and they were super super pissed we were like no 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 it's it's not alcoholic it's just they're like That's not, that doesn't sound right yeah it's, it's, it's def- definitely still a drug though because it had insane amounts of caffeine in it yeah it was like guarana beverage it kind of tasted like cream soda anyway yeah we would uh we'd stock up uh me and a friend started sharing a locker so that we could use his locker and we would just stock it up with balls and mountain dew and sell it for cash and then we had this like this roll of one dollar bills people had given us that we would like play football with in the in the hallway, and everybody thought we were dealing drugs, or all the teachers thought we were dealing drugs, and they made us stop. We should have just uh, been dealing drugs. I love I love I love stacking my one dollar bills as a as oh a, yeah as a huge drug dealer. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like a couple of fifteen year olds rolling up to the strip club. <laughs> Well, so I, I went to I went to college in Canada, and uh, weed is like way cheaper up there. It certainly was. Oh yeah. Uh, when I was in like you know in two thousand and four or something, uh, when I started out there. But it's just funny because like I would because they have the one dollar and two dollar coins. So like I would buy weed and change all the time from like from my friends. It's <laughs> like let me get a gram. Because you know five toonies is 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 ten bucks, and so it doesn't feel as bad. <laughs> you just like hit fistfuls of dimes and nickels. Yeah, no, no, no. They're two. They're two dollar coins. So you're, I mean, you're 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 paying in change, but at least it's somewhat respectable. <laughs> you can always always recognize a Canadian weed dealer because he's walking around with like seventeen pounds in change. <laughs> Yeah, the dollar, the dollar coin never took off. You know, they tried. No, they tried yeah, so hard. It's too bad. They had the, uh, yeah, the Sacagawea coins. They were pretty cool. I, I don't. You know, America gets a lot of things wrong, but I, I don't blame us as a country for not, for not taking those on because, like, as someone who's lost enough dollar and two dollar coins in Canada, like, just in my <laughs> whatever course of going around, going about a day, it, it really sucks. You know that said, it is kind of cool. Like the stakes are much higher when you're in when you're in the couch looking for change. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> it's much like, more substantive, like yeah. an actual payday. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Somebody passes out on your couch after after a party or whatever, and the next day you go in, you can like buy yourself breakfast. Welcome back to the Liquid Flannel Podcast from Arlington, Texas. I am Matthew Hodges, joined as ever by my ineffable comrade and co-host in Omaha, Nebraska, Brendan Williams. Hello, Brendan. Hello. I know it's a Midwestern cliche that we talk about the weather at the opening of every podcast, but it was negative 20 degrees here today in Omaha. And that's just, it's worth mentioning, is all. And that's, a, that's Fahrenheit for our international listeners. Yeah, so, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Yeah. I have no idea what that is in Celsius. It's very cold. I think it's actually negative 20. I think, I think no, at some that's point they ne- it's at negative <laughs> 40. No it's at negative 40 where, where Celsius and Fahrenheit are the same. And again, oh, okay. again can- Canadian college experience. So that, that's how I know that one. <laughs> right. Well, that other voice you hear on the line to help us make sense of uh, some of the political news and some other stuff that we've seen in the past week. The co-founder of the District Sentinel and all-around uh, fun person on Twitter, Sam Knight. Hello, Sam. Hey, what's up? It's, Thanks uh, for joining us on Liquid Flannel. Yeah, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. 
Um, Sam's not feeling super well right now, and uh, you missed a little bit of banter about how it may or may not be coronavirus. Um, I heard on the news today that the uh, the coronavirus infections in America have skyrocketed to it an absolutely staggering. It was like thirty or something like that. <laughs> Seventeen, yeah, yeah, something like that. Well, I, I was just saying that. For most people who get it, I think like a lot of people get it and just never even know that they had it. And it's just like a, a version of the flu. And yeah, some flu bugs are more deadly than others. Like people die of the flu all the time in this country. In fact, uh, I think it's like 50,000 people died of the flu last year or something like that. It's a, it's just an absolutely staggering number right right and it was like a really bad flu season yeah and and you know i get that people might be a little uh nervous about a new strand of virus but you know i think it it's like sars and h1n1 and yeah people suffer and but i you know and, and that sucks i just i just think some of it is overblown some of the uh uh, the reaction to it is overblown and I don't know. I mean, you, you really feel like you hear a lot, you, you hear a lot of the hysteria from right-wing people who, uh, it, it reinforces their, their xenophobia and, right, yeah, and their I mean, narrative what if, what of, if, oh, chi- oh, here, look at, look at this, this peril coming from China, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. What if, what if the real disease uh, was the uh, anti-Chinese racism we made along the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the real disease is in our minds. We have coronavirus of the mind. <laughs> and we have our title for the show. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it is, it's like on one hand, the, you know, the coronavirus is totally overblown. But on the other hand, it does make you worry because like if China did have like a deadly like you know, flu outbreak, you know that they would just be doing everything that they could to just be like, no, it's fine. It's fine here. Uh, you know, it's not, it's not, it's, we're managing it, you know, hmm. uh, nobody, nobody panic. It's all, it's all good. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah, no, I, I mean, there is something to be said for like a centrally planned economy, right? Uh, in, in the response to this, you've seen China, you know, just suddenly they, they just like slap together a bunch of hospitals which yeah, that shit was wild. They were like live streaming it. Yeah, they, yeah. They, they were like, "How about nobody go to work for like a month? Just don't right. go to work for a month." Yeah, and they, That's they a good, baller, baller they, move. They had that. They did that with SARS too. At least they they built some hospital really quickly around the uh, the epicenter of the outbreak. Um, I haven't I haven't really been following too much with respect to, or is the Chinese government covering it up or whatever? I mean. You know, it seems like they're being relatively forthright about this sort of thing. It's it's not like uh, you know other other things they do. Yeah, it's almost like the uh, like the Jacks Posobiec uh, of the world. You know, profit by ginning up artificial outrage and fear. Yeah, you know, it's it's almost like that. Yeah, well, no. there's plenty of conspiracy theories that go around. They flew a plane full of uh, people evacuated from China to uh rural ashland nebraska and let them <laughs> hang out uh at a at a summer camp uh that was not being used um, and they're quarantining them for like three weeks or something like that yeah yeah unfortunate for them they didn't realize that that was a uh, camp crystal lake um so they all ended up dying <laughs> anyway um but from unrelated reasons <laughs> was it was it was it nebraska where there was that like lawmaker who was who was really like he was super libertarian and didn't believe in any sort of regulations. And then there was this amusement park built in this district. Oh, that was Kansas. That was Kansas. You know where I'm going with this. I don't know if I should finish the story because it's pretty dark. Yeah. Should I? I think should... we talked about it, but yeah, this is uh the you know uh, yeah go go on the 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 world's tallest water slide. I think you're you're thinking of the Schlitterbahn. Um, what could go wrong? Park, right. what, uh, what, oh, it's called the Schlitterbahn. That's yeah. like the name of the uh, chain uh, yeah, of, this... of water parks. Right, right. Well, so anyway, uh, for those who don't know the story, uh, the politician's kid died at the water park. Uh, not just died. Uh, died in 
um like just absolutely the most like hereditary-esque like horrifying way like decapitated body arrives at the bottom of the the bottom of the slide yeah just awful yeah but think of how much money that that amusement park made you know advertising we have the tallest water slide in the world (laughs) right um i feel like you know as a true capitalist you gotta say you know (laughs) overall yeah. Very successful. Uh, yeah, that, I wonder, that I wonder if thing. that guy I wonder if that guy thinks his son paid the ultimate price for freedom. <laughs> I think he's still in office, so he's he's not uh he's he's keeping keeping it rolling. Does, does he get to uh say something for his kid on Memorial Day, like pretend he was a troop? <laughs> right. That's right. My, yeah. my my kid died for freedom. We need like a like a thin blue line flag, except uh, except just for kids who died on water. Slides. For in, yeah, industrial like industrial line. accidents. God. Yeah, no, we should. I mean, uh, I I I feel like uh, you know uh, they're they're the true victims. Really, is uh, you know of of uh, you know all the God. The, what was the the thing that Trump was just doing where he was saying like. Oh yeah, like dump dump your mining waste into rivers. Like we we love it uh, and, and stuff like that. Uh, so yeah, it's uh they know the consequences and they're fully aware and they just do not give a shit. Yeah, at all. Amazing yeah, Brandon, times here in the Midwest. You, you missed it last week, but uh, Chuck and I were joking about how um, we need to make a sticker for the show. That's the the thin blue line uh, flag, except it's just like a flannel pattern where the blue one goes. It'd be the be the thin flannel line. I'm opening Photoshop right now. Hell yeah! <laughs> delete delete this so no one steals our idea. <laughs> well, guys, I think the uh, I think the biggest news in the past week that that we absolutely have to cover because we have been kind of doing a you know an ongoing update of this um is the returns the primary election returns out of new hampshire um and of course you know if you're amy klobuchar wins yeah yeah amy klobuchar uh amy klobuchar and pete Buttigieg did extremely well there uh i'm not Winning sure who the came coveted in first. third and second place yeah <laughs> I, I couldn't i couldn't tell from most of the news commentary who came in first but it sounds like uh pete and amy had a had a tremendous night there you know it reminded me of like in the olympics how like when a lesser or a small i don't want to say lesser but like when a smaller country when they have an athlete who wins the bronze medal in some like obscure sport and then that yeah. person becomes a national hero like that <laughs> That was Amy Klobuchar, but <laughs> to cable news that, people, that guy from uh, where was he from? Like uh, like Ghana or something, where they didn't have a swimming pool for him to compete in. Oh, um, that was amazing! The, yeah, competed in the swimming competition and came in like dead last, obviously, but still like finished finished his heat. You know, um, yeah, it, it, kind of like that. Although yeah. that's, and then that, Michael that Phelps more... was over there with just a pile of gold medals, and no one wanted to interview him because yeah. they were bored of it. Oh, yeah, totally. it's tragic. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think that made the the metaphor works a little bit better, maybe for like Elizabeth Warren though. Um, Warren coming in a, a pretty pretty encouraging. What was she fifth, fourth? No, the metaphor think... the metaphor works for Yang because Yang Yang finished dead last, uh, pretty much. Oh yeah. Well, not dead last. Michael Bennett finished dead last, and no no one gave a shit about him. But <laughs> Yang Yang, you know, he was he was a curiosity. He he was. Uh, <laughs> you certainly uh, can't say that he. Well, too many double negatives. He he was a fresh face, and uh, sure. You know, so yeah, he was he was right out there on the you know uh, the circumcision policy. Uh, you know, he had he had a lot of uh, innovative stuff uh, in in his campaign platform. He went he went deep, and yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, he just anyway. I don't want I don't want to talk too much about Yang because I'm a, I'm afraid I'll start saying shit about things I didn't actually research that properly, but. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, uh. yeah, poor one out for Yang. I mean, I think uh, p- people are saying that uh, you know the the Yang gang uh, is is primed and ready to just move on over to the Bernie Sanders camp. You know, all all two percent of them. I think yeah, some, well, no, some and, of them and I, will. And I think 
I think that's good, though. I mean, because uh, overwhelmingly, Yang's uh, supporters ranked Bernie as their second choice. So I, th- I think a you good. Know, I, I, I think it's fine for the Sanders camp to you know welcome Yang supporters with open arms. Of course it is, but I also think some of that is like projecting people's own their own perception onto Yang because. I mean, yes, he did. He did talk a lot about, you know, he he was good at diagnosing part of the problem. It's just his solutions were dog shit, and <laughs> like for you know for his his freedom dividend, like for all the talk about that, he didn't seem to believe at all in the welfare state, and so it, it was it was just a total wash. And like you know, the idea that that people on the left. Um, should should have anything nice to say about Yang. Um, I mean, yes, Bernie supporters, Bernie's campaign should welcome Yang's uh, supporters. I'm sure some of them will uh, cross over. But, you know, Yang, his his ideology was, was just dog shit. And to the extent that he addressed materialist um, anxiety, he didn't do it any more than your standard boilerplate liberal who believes in... Uh, who believes in in basic wealth transfers, and yeah, I, and I on balance, it seems like most poor people and working people would just get fucked worse over Yang. Yeah, I I think that's exactly right, and you could see that if you ever tried to engage with any of the Yang gang online, um, they would have an absolute meltdown if you brought up the idea of rent control, right? Because, you know, the freedom dividend was everybody in the country gets $1,000 a month. Every single person gets $1,000 a month, no strings attached. And, and the then your landlord common, raises the rent by $1,000 a month. And exactly then your, your right. And your bank raises their mortgage payments. Well, by they wouldn't yep. do that because they're nice. Come on, come on now. Well, no, and, and you would ask them about it. And it was like, oh, he's got housing plans like go check the website because his website was very well fleshed out he had like 200 and something you know like policies but if you went over to housing policy his whole housing policy was like somehow the president is going to make localities get rid of zoning laws and that's going to make people build more low-income housing or something it it was uh, jimmy carter's on it he's working on it right now jimmy carter's doing more (laughs) for people's uh, for people's housing costs than than yang's (laughs) plan ever would have and that's just classic yimby shit that's just standard liberal technocratic yimby bullshit yeah and and it's not even good technocracy because he obviously you know he's presuming that the federal government can do or traditionally has done more than it can i mean it's possible he can marshal the will of uh of of the u.s government to do this sort of thing and invoke eminent domain etc etc but like jesus christ like now now that said sam i think i think you were right though that yang did have a knack for identifying the particular problems his solutions weren't great but like, I could see Andrew Yang being sort of a, I don't know, put him in his, like, uh, like deputy labor secretary or something like that, right? Like, it, like you're going to be the how do we address automation policy guy, um, but he, he shouldn't be in charge, but he could help generate some ideas for that. Yeah, I thought, I thought earlier in the campaign, I was thinking of, like, what uh what positions should bernie offer yang to just buy him out so to speak right right and i was thinking <laughs> uh small business administrator some, oh yeah there you go something like that some bullshit job or whatever well and he yang was like saying like there should be like a technology czar or whatever where it's like you almost think that like he was like yeah and he was like and it should be me that, <laughs> that was that right. was this unstated part of the, of the plan, I call so. White House scientist or whatever. <laughs> well, I want to I want to redirect a little bit because uh, you know we have we have Sam who's a, a professional in this field and uh, one thing that really stuck out to me from New Hampshire was the way we saw sort of the liberal mainstream media respond to. Um, to Bernie Sanders, obviously won the the New Hampshire primary, you know, up to and including, you know, he had had Reuters reporting, you know, their headline was like, 
you know, Buttigieg and Amy Klobuchar did really well in New Hampshire and no mention of Bernie Sanders, you know, uh, and and just the like the circling of the wagons around basically anybody who isn't anybody who isn't Bernie Sanders, um, you know, Trip Gabriel uh from new york times uh, you know it's early but the story of the night so far is klobuchar leaving warren and biden in the dust and sneaking up on Buttigieg, and then in a parenthetical with sanders leaving leading yeah yeah i get. i guess yeah i mean it, it is pretty wild to see how uh they're they're just trying to pretend like bernie sanders didn't win the first two primaries and um you know, part of me, like the part of me that wants to give Reuters the benefit of the doubt there thinks that like, well, if if they write the headline the normal way, no one's going to care. If they write it the way they did, they're going to generate a lot of hate clicks. And yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's possible that editors are now just like, yeah, we drive a lot of traffic when we... Uh, <laughs> when we deliberately try to fuck over Bernie Sanders like this. Oh, it's a, it's a strategy much like how, uh, you know, Bloomberg is like paying Instagram celebrities to like post fake DM messages or whatever. That's like, what up fam? It's, it's the blooms. (laughs) I mean, (sighs) is there anybody in the country at this point that isn't somehow on the Bloomberg payroll? Right. Cause he's, He's paying people, it's like $150 to speak positively about him on Twitter. He's siphoned off all of the, like, literally any organizer yeah. for anybody else, including, like, state house races to work for his yeah. campaign for, like, $7,000 well, a month. And uh, uh, Tom Steyer, the other billionaire uh, guy in the race, he uh, he did so great in New Hampshire that they calculated out his ad spend per voter and it's like two thousand dollars per per voter Jesus. uh for new hampshire but, but still that's like chump change for him oh that's totally true yeah yeah it's like bezos buying that mansion and you know i i i think uh, uh anecdotally i'm starting to see on twitter some of the more normie squish lib types uh, for lack of a better term, react <laughs> react to Bloomberg by saying Bloomberg makes me go full Bernie bro, because it's it you know it it's obvious what's going on to to anyone to anyone really uh, anyone yeah. who's not like a, a fucking low info boomer who gets all their news from uh, from TV ads. I I do think that. You know, I I almost I because I've been so fucking mad about Bloomberg. I've been so mad about just the the the, the crave the, like the just he's such a fucking like oligarch trying to obviously trying to buy the nomination, and I'm getting flustered. Sam, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you there actually because we are right at our break time, and that sounds okay. like a terrific topic okay, to talk let, about in the, let, in let's the do second that. segment. All right. Yeah, we can all uh we can all consolidate our views and uh yeah, we'll see you in just a minute. Okay. I have never been to a rodeo in my life, but I do work in Washington DC. And I do hear a lot of bullshit, so that's So bullshit is not anything that I am unfamiliar with. Well, we're going to circle back around to the elfin New York City billionaire. But, Brendan, you had a story about a completely different billionaire that's sort of uh, in our neck of the woods. God, yeah, these political billionaires, man, you just can't get rid of them. They're no. running everything. Right. Yeah, you turn turn on the lights and, like, billionaires scatter, run under all your furniture. Yeah. The, the ongoing saga of Pete Ricketts uh, continues with his latest comments to massively cut the budget for schools and use it to give less taxes to people that own giant mansions like Pete Ricketts probably does. We're not, we're not editorializing that at all, uh, actually. <laughs> he gave a speech where he called for defunding the, quote, government schools, ah. which I guess was something that Trump also said during his State of the Union. Oh, did he? I, I didn't watch it. I didn't even get highlights. It was like like a fart that nobody noticed. Yeah, I, I didn't watch it either. I mean, the State of the Union, I, there were a lot of times when Obama was doing it where I didn't watch it. Quite frankly, even if Bernie is president, I I wouldn't really want to watch it. What if he had the strokes there? 
Yeah, if he had no, yeah, for sure. <laughs> if he had some laser light show, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, it's in the Constitution. It only it's vague about the State of the Union. Like we don't have to do it every year. I mean, we don't have to do anything the Constitution says because they just make it up as they go along. But they make a joke about that on the West Wing, actually, which is like one of the better like pieces of political analysis in that show. That literally the president could buy congress a subscription to like the washington post and it would it would satisfy the requirement that like he lets them know what the state of the union is yeah ba-boom there's a lot of pageantry there's a lot of really fucking annoying standing ovations for nothing mm-hmm. none of the speeches are memorable there's always troop pumping Oh, dude, he did a Trump did a troop reveal or whatever, where it was like your dad's behind this door. Oh, yeah, like yeah. it was on, oh, yeah. like he was on fucking Kelly Clarkson's talk show or something like that. Like it's halftime at a at an NFL game or something. I think Bernie should actually bring in like 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 really just amp the thing, all the pageantry up to eleven, and make it obvious just how silly the whole exercise is. The the most important function of the State of the Union is Trump can uh, throw out his new his new one liners his right. new his new nicknames and, and takedowns. Yeah, government schools, which is great because uh, you know he obviously is saying it in a in a derogatory fashion and uh, trying to get people to say, oh yeah, like take money away from the government. Like, of course, of course, I want to you know I want to take money out of the government. All kinds of groups were coming out and uh, and and criticizing him, uh, which uh, I guess that's just all part of the the Trump style plan, right? Is uh, get get caught up in uh, in some attacks so that you can uh, show how uh, how hard you're fighting for the for the real America out there. So uh, was it just like did Ricketts announce this and like he was getting <clears throat> like just everyone yelling at him from all sides or, or what was going on when you say groups were criticizing him? What was, you know, he, I mean, Pete Ricketts definitely has his base in Nebraska, but I think, you know, people who actually pay attention to politics and know what a, know what a dog whistle looks like. Uh, I think we're pretty roundly condemning sure. his remarks. Well, I mean, I, I also, you know, cause I know that some of the, uh, activists in, various teacher union actions in red states like not some of them are you know some of them are republicans and some republicans are like yeah no i like i like public schools just like you know for the rich people or whatever but like you know even then a a, a broad attack on public education could could rankle them it's an interesting gambit to take in nebraska because uh nebraska even in like some very hard red districts, you know, like relatively well off, um, largely white, like suburbs often vote to go ahead and pass, you know, like, like bond issues oh, and, uh, and, and tax raises in order to keep public education very much vibrant and well-funded and alive. So it's, I, I'm not sure who Pete Ricketts thinks his, uh, constituency is, uh, when he when he attacks public education, because Nebraskans, by and large, tend to really support their public education. Well, he's making a trade off, right, because he wants to cut the school budget so that he can free up money in the budget to cut property taxes, um, especially for, uh, for rich people, because that's where the majority of the of the school funding comes from in Nebraska. But they're the ones who vote to raise their own property taxes. Oh, absolutely. But the thing about it is like families like his, they don't give a shit about public schools because they're like, oh, I would never send my kids to public schools. Yeah, yeah, I'm a freaking sure. billionaire or whatever. But it is actually one of the better things that you can fund because it is a universal public good. You know, the better your education system is, the more accessible it is, the better it is for everybody, you know, in the area as a whole. I mean, it 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 is the definitional rising tide. Yeah. But if you're rich enough, you don't give a shit. You you just live in your, you know, gilded mansion and you never have to go out in public by yourself. Uh so like who cares uh if if all the schools get shut down? Uh you're already rich. And to a certain extent some of the uh I feel like some of the the rich people who voting are voting for tax increases to keep the schools funded like partially it's because they do actually want good public schools, but also they, they want to preserve their home value. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's a huge driver of property value. A guy like Ricketts, he's not, you know, if he, if he has enough money to just pick up and 
fuck off to wherever and send his kids to boarding school. I guess it doesn't really matter much to him. Right, yeah, he would he would just go move back to Chicago with his dad and own the Cubs and I mean, which is what he should do. He should just fuck off back to Chicago. He should. <laughs> well, while we're talking about uh, horrifying billionaires who were trying to capture the hearts and minds of people in the heartland, I've got to say it was kind of depressing to me to hear that the mayor of Houston endorsed Mike Bloomberg for president. Oh, really? Yeah. You know, the the mayor of D.C. did too. And I, I can't speak to the mayor of Houston, but it was totally on brand for the mayor of D.C., who's just a fucking craven bootlicker of the rich, tried to get, you know, Amazon to, to come here, uh, court, courting Jeff Bezos, supported the repeal of a law to strengthen the minimum wage, is just a, a shameless fucking agent for the developers and stuff. So in a way, it's, a, it's like, for us anyway, for the local level, it's actually really good that that mayor bowser and she has yeah she has a a, a nintendo game villain name muriel <laughs> bowser oh is that lady bowser is that the the gender swapped bowser <laughs> yeah everyone everyone google that that's the that's the mayor <laughs> the mask is off for her this is gonna stick to her like fucking pig shit i mean it's just totally inescapable it's just a total cell phone there are rumors she could be up for a vice presidential nomination. Like, if she does get that, I assume it would be for Bloomberg because, like, she is just awful. I mean, it, to the extent that she would get any recognition on the national level, it would be negative attention. But D.C. is is a one-horse town. It's always a fucking Democrat who wins so they can run the most right-wing fucking Democrat they can find. Or, you know, someone will start out on the city council and, and pretend to do a good thing, do a few good things, and then they run for mayor, and then suddenly it's like, you know, knifing everyone left and right. This lights a bit of a fire under the ass of people here, uh, because I don't think there are too many Michael Bloomberg voters in D.C. That that says something, because, you know, this town is full of fucking teacher's pets and, yeah. uh, and kiss-ups, but none of them sociopathic even bloomberg is too sociopathic for the lanyards in dc it's probably a bad look for three white dudes on a podcast to be criticizing uh in this way but uh sylvester turner the mayor of houston is black right and just in the past four or five days we've seen a tremendous amount of uh, old material on bloomberg popping up where he's He's defending. It's not that old. St stop and frisk policy. No, that's right. No, you're totally right, Brad. I mean, some of this stuff comes from like 2008. He defended it until last year. I think he's still defending it. And he's he's lying in his apology. He's saying, "Oh, you know, it was I inherited the policy. <laughs> oh my god, it, it was done. It was it was Giuliani's fault. It, wasn't it was me. done. You know, passive. Yeah. Voice. I mean, the one that the one that really shocked me. I mean, stop and frisk. Everybody's known that that was that was a Bloomberg thing for a long time. The clip that just came out um, in the past couple of days, where he's talking about basically the the reason the economy crashed in two thousand seven was because we ended redlining. And the banks, you know, went and gave a bunch of credit to a bunch of people who, you know, couldn't couldn't pay their the note on their houses. And it's like, well, what the fuck do you think redlining was? I mean, it wasn't about credit. It was about it was about racial discrimination. It was about not giving home loans to black people. So yeah. Sylvester Turner, what are you doing? I think this Bloomberg guy might be racist. I don't know. I'm no expert, but it doesn't it's, he doesn't seem great out there. Yeah, I'd hate to I hate to paint someone with a broad brush, but you know, after a while, the pattern of behavior starts to emerge. I mean, I I saw a thread delving into Bloomberg's history in in New York, and the guy literally buys patronage. Like some of this, we're gonna go back and look in the FEC filings and see, like, oh, he gave five hundred thousand dollars there, you know, a million dollars there. A lot of it, I'm sure, will be through super PACs and PACs because you know. There, there are limits to, to donations to individual uh, candidates. It's just so shameless. It's so fucking shameless. Yeah. Did you see that? So all of, we talked earlier about all the, the Mike Bloomberg uh, like Instagram memes or whatever. That ad campaign is being run by um, 
Jerry Media, aka Fuck Jerry, aka the creators of Fire Festival. Oh my god! Yes. For real? <laughs> so Fire Festival is literally running the Bloomberg social media campaign. Like the meme campaign. Oh my god! Which is a good sign for me because I, I think yeah. Yes, it is a very good sign. <laughs> In fairness, those guys are really good at memeing. They're not good at actually like following through on anything, yeah. but they're really oh, they're, good they're, at like they're marketing. They're great at getting money from rich right. people and burning it. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I've been in on the ground in the Bloomberg Facebook group and it really seems like his big fans have, have no idea how this fucking works. They all seem to think like he's running against Trump now. It's obviously so gross, but his sort of carpet bombing of money is only going to get him so far. Today, uh, I found myself getting a little less angry about Bloomberg because this whole thing just seems totally fueled by his own arrogance and that will inevitably lead to just colossal fuck-ups left and right, including the very real possibility his presence in the race not only unites people around Bernie because he's such a disgusting billionaire, but it also splits the center vote and, and totally takes the wind out of, out of Pete's sails, whatever he can muster up, which I don't think he can muster up very much. Oh, he's, the, he's the Mitt Romney of the left, basically. Yes, yes. He is, he's if the, Bernie wins the nomination, and a lot of people think like Bloomberg's only running because he, as a as a super rich dude, he saw that Bernie might win and he was like, oh, I can't have this. And so if Bernie does win the nomination, you know, will Bloomberg try to run as like an independent third party candidate? Right. But it makes me wonder, like, is he actually going to pull more votes? from people who were never going to vote for Bernie anyway and potentially might have voted for Trump because in some ways he kind of is similar to Trump in that he's an old white billionaire from New York that has a lot of like racist policies but he's not as like personally disgusting as as Trump is. You, you so you're you're seeing him as uh, like in a general election running as an independent more of like a like a Ross Perot figure. What was that, the 1994 election? Yeah, but I, he sort of backed himself into a corner here. I mean, you know, voters can really sniff that out. And uh, if if a guy loses in the primary and says, fuck it, I'm running as an independent, like, that, I think that's a big turnoff for voters. Now, that said, I hope Bernie does that if Bloomberg buys the nomination because there's absolutely no chance in hell I will vote for Michael Bloomberg. There's no such thing as a lesser of two evils in a contest between two racist oligarchs, one of them who literally fucking joined the party like 10 months ago and bought his way uh, into the contest. I think at that point, we got we really got to start having serious conversations about how the U.S. system is just completely illegitimate. I would definitely write in Bernie so I do hope Bernie, but that's different though. That that you know that would be because of because of some corrupt rat fuck. If if Bloomberg he's trying to do the corrupt rat fuck, if he loses, that'll be an indictment of that system. If Bloomberg tries to to steal the nomination and then doesn't and doesn't get the nomination and then goes third party, I think people are like you know people are less inclined to be like oh that makes sense. Whereas if Bernie. Um, said, fuck this, I'm running third party, people would be more like, yeah, no, he definitely should. Yeah. Whereas for, for Bloomberg, it just looked like sour grapes. They had that image that was going around where it was like, Bernie Sanders is actually losing because if you combine every other candidate running <laughs> and compared to Sanders, they every other candidate combined has way more- We'll just have a five-way presidency. Right. <laughs> which, is, which is kind of funny because you feel like, oh, well, maybe if they actually do coalesce around, you know, Buttigieg or, or somebody like that, uh, you know, maybe then he starts dominating in, in some of these future races. But then you look at the actual race and you say, oh, well, no, actually, there's just like a rotating cast of like the people who are just going to come in, right? Because right. then, you know, Klobuchar is going to do well for a while and then uh you know bloomberg will come in and do well for a while and tom steyer will come in and this you know stuff like that so uh there's just a rotating cast of uh of of hangers on that are just going to continue to uh to do that through the entire process so yeah. in in some ways i think it is a a good outcome in that they are going to continue to split the vote i don't know i just i i have a hard time understanding like who the bloomberg the mind of the bloomberg supporter 
Uh, well, I, I can tell you because I've been I've been on the ground in their Facebook page, and they're they are low info rich people who get their news through through Bloomberg.com. Through G- no, no, <laughs> right. no, not even Bloomberg.com. That's a reputable news source if you're looking for like if you're looking for financial. But they they get it through TV ads. Uh, responding to critics of Bloomberg by saying Trump this and Trump that. Oh, he can get it. Mike can get it done. He knows what he's talking about. He doesn't have any scant. He doesn't have any skeletons in his closet. They're just getting their news through fucking advertisements put out by Bloomberg. And so it's going to be a real rude awakening for them. And it's starting to be, you're seeing it now with some of these scandals. But I mean, truth be told, I think there's going to be a good 10% of voters who just who don't fucking care and they're just their minds are so warped they're so they're so desperate to cling to their status and to and to lick the boots of oligarchs that they just really don't give a fuck should bloomberg run as a third party candidate i think he would just be very marginal he would just be like you know sort of like how jill stein picks up people who who wouldn't vote for either hillary or trump you know bloomberg will pick up two three percent of people who you know who simply can't bring themselves to vote for either trump or sanders the people who have been you know weaponizing hashtag vote blue no matter who against uh bernie sanders supporters for so long suddenly falling in line behind a guy who's literally a republican you know just another republican billionaire from new york who just happens to be uh you know a little bit He's he he like softens the edges of what Trump wants to do overall would probably try to execute more or less the same policies as Trump. He would just do it in a more competent way. But the upshot for a broad swath of potential Democrat voters, they're finally coming to understand that hashtag vote blue no matter who is sort of meaningless if the Democrats decide to run a guy who does not represent the working class, does not stand for any of the policies that are tremendously popular under the Democratic platform. You know, like I I think that at a certain point, the the vote blue no matter who thing starts to wear a little bit thin when you're running a guy who like, is he would he be better? He's probably not that much better. People on on the other side of the spectrum, on the left side of the spectrum have been have been way uh, less shy about posting about, look, if you nominate Bloomberg, I'm going to wreck this fucking thing. You know, like I'm not, but I'm, I'm not doing it. So I think, I think that message is getting And it's not just people on the left. I mean, that's, that's people, that's people who are like stolid liberal, uh, like they actually would have voted blue no matter who until this Bloomberg thing came up. Yeah, I think, yeah, exactly. I think there's some people like that too. To the uh, like Bloomberg fans from from <laughs> I, I'm acting like a fucking seasoned expert. I'm just in the Facebook group trolling, <laughs> tro- but for, you know I don't see them as like vote blue no matter who people. I don't even see them as knowing what vote blue no matter who is. We're talking about rich people who think they're above learning about politics, who think they don't need to know about politics. And now they're getting involved in the 11th hour because they know their taxes are going up and they're fucking scared. And so, like, I think to a certain extent, these aren't blue no matter who people. These are people who just, like, you know, have reliably counted on the Democrats to be able to rat fuck their way to, to make sure, like, a centrist is on top of the ticket. Or if it's, like, someone like Obama, he's, you know, by the time he gets to the top, he's plenty watered down by Wall Street money. You know, I think the, these are people who think that politics, they're, that they're above politics, that politics is beneath them. And, and they're, they're finding out that their asses are about to literally get thrown out by, by a popular movement, by, you know, for lack of a better term, a, a popular revolt. That's where it's at. And, and I think we're going to get the blue no matter who people on our side because they're seeing how gross this is, like you said. Yeah, I think uh, Bloomberg sucks. That's, a, that's all there is to say. There it is. That's Nailed the, it. The, Nailed the, it. Anti, the liquid flannel anti-endorsement. Uh, yeah, I look forward to being uh, stopped and frisked by uh, <laughs> the the Bloomberg new ICE deployments in my city in the next four to six years. So <laughs> we brought it down pretty low there. It's time for the high note. Time for a high note. Let's take a little break. Here comes old Mr. Moneybags, hanging out. 
so high notes. You know, this week it wasn't too bad. It you didn't know, seem too Bernie, bad. Bernie won New Hampshire. Yeah. Um, you know, Trump's uh, you know just out there doing wacky crimes. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, Roger Stone doing his uh, his uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit uh, <laughs> sh- uh, villain <laughs> shtick. Um, it's it's just very entertaining all around. Yeah, and, and not only did Bernie win New Hampshire, but he's looking real strong going into Super Tuesday. What he's got like a double digit lead at this point nationally. Well, yeah, when Biden comes back and wins uh, South Carolina and uh, Nevada, you know, ninety percent uh, of the vote, you're uh, you're gonna be yeah, feeling yeah, mighty Sam, foolish. Sam, what is your <laughs> what's your take on South Carolina? Because it does look like Biden is probably gonna run away with that one, but. You know, I, oh, I, I actually so. I I don't necessarily agree. Yeah. Uh, s- some of the polls that I had seen showed that Bernie was uh, only down by two points or something. Really? Wow. Yeah. He he is pulling it close, and not oh, only that's an he, even higher note than I thought it was. Yeah, and not only is he pulling it close, but obviously Joe Biden is. Uh, is falling to falling to pieces on national, <laughs> physically on national and TV. electorally. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it it is. I don't want to necessarily write him off yet, even though I should, because I feel like every single presidential campaign he's done has just ended in complete disaster. So why should this one be any different? Right. Um. You know. I think it was. Uh, I mean, it was a, certainly a clear statement on uh the night of the new hampshire primary where he left the state with hours to go before polls closed because he said he wanted to focus on south carolina but you know we we've seen the videos of him going around and campaigning and all he's doing is just being a crotchety old man and like telling people to vote for other people and and just like being incoherent you know, calling people weird names like dog-faced pony soldier. <laughs> that was what the wild. Fuck? I missed like, that one. Like, he, I, I just, I really have a hard time seeing him put it back on track. And, I, and I'm trying not, I'm trying to tamp down my optimism. But I really do feel like Bernie could end up just like, absolutely shocking a lot right. of people by running away with South Carolina. But, yeah. Right. Um, well, the thing about South Carolina is that Biden has, you know, led in all the polls there for months and months and months. But now that he's lost two races so badly, I, I feel like a lot of people are not necessarily super confident with him because his support wasn't that strong to begin right. with. He had just had great name recognition sure. and, and stuff like yeah, that. The, everyone, the Obama everyone thought people who were and he was every withdrawing their endorsements and stuff from him. It's crazy. <laughs> people thought he was electable and that he, you know, like he was the best candidate for Trump. And now like, you know, it's clear he's just he's he's fallen to bits and he yeah, I mean, his whole sheen is gone, and I've seen polls that, that show that Democrats now think Bernie is the most electable, and that's got to bode well for him, and I think that uh, bodes well for South Carolina for Bernie's chances in South Carolina. Right. And I also think, yeah, the crazy thing about South Carolina is that uh, that's where Bloomberg and Steyer were spending just literally hundreds and millions of dollars in, in ad money. Yeah, so, and Tom Steyer's a uh, bit of an they're ad- only drawing support away from from right. Biden and, and well, Tom, Tom Steyer's a bit of an X factor because he he has been polling well in South Carolina too. I I could see this weird um, scenario on the night of the South Carolina primary where where Bernie and Tom Steyer are vying for first place. <laughs> and uh it, it it would certainly be a head fuck i think that either way i i i do think that that um joe biden is done after south carolina i'm i'm surprised he's hanging on this long i feel like at this point it's only it's only pride but well apparently he was telling uh his uh private uh fundraiser high high dollar fundraisers that uh, he's going to handily win uh, both South Carolina and Nevada. So uh, apparently huh. he still thinks that. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, if he pulls it off and, he's, and he squeaks one out there, uh, 
it could be you know a, a comeback story for him um but uh, <laughs> the, the, if the he Joe does Biden not cinderella story <laughs> that's right finally <laughs> fifth time's a charm is what they always say uh but yeah if he does not then it's uh it's hard to see uh what you know what he goes he does from there because he's totally he's totally screwed <laughs> but you know there's lots of other people that are still in the race that uh are, are not dropping out for whatever yeah. reason. So, so while we're talking about uh, Nevada, uh, as we talk about you know Bernie Sanders and the primaries and stuff, there it, I actually had two real quick high notes uh, this week. So, um, Elizabeth Warren has made a big deal about how Bernie Sanders is anti labor because he didn't get the uh, he didn't get the endorsement of the uh, the culinary union in Nevada, uh, but apparently a bunch of the rank and file from the culinary union are endorsing him. This was going to be my high note too. Oh no. <laughs> You've you oh, definitely. No. Okay, okay. Okay. Then, then no, it's Great. all right. No, no, I'll, no. I'll, Go. No, no I'll, please. I'll leave it for you because, because I had another one, um, which was that, uh, uh, Andrew Kaczynski, uh, who's a, like a sometimes CNN commentator, uh, found a, 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 a cassette tape, like an old, an old cassette tape. Like, uh, most of our listeners probably don't even know what this is. It was like a plastic thing that had like a tape in it that you had to put in your car radio or whatever. And this was a Bernie Sanders folk album. And I'm not going to say that Bernie Sanders has like the greatest singing voice ever, but I did have this little clip. Uh, he doesn't really <laughs> sing. He doesn't yeah, sing. Right. He's more. Yeah, he's, he's, he's kind of doing that like he's, spoken he's kind of doing that that talks that talk singing thing. He was rapping. Yeah. He was. Yeah. No, he's 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 sort of like Lou Reed, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Totally. So I'm just gonna play this little clip it's here. Like oh, hey, babe. Take a walk. <laughs> The I'm just I'm just gonna play this little clip here of of Bernie Sanders off of his off of his cassette tape album We Shall Overcome. I've seen my brothers working throughout this mighty land, and I prayed we'd get together and together make a stand. Yeah, it's it's terrific. Um, I'm I'm glad that I don't know what, what a weird what a weird thing to dig up. I don't know if he found it in like a secondhand shop or whatever. But right, don't you don't you love how on, on all the other candidates, like when they dig up in their past, they find like horrible racist comments that they've made <laughs> right. and uh, horrible and policies that they've Bernie supported. Sanders is like some dumb fucking album that he recorded like thirty yeah. years ago. His folk album, you know, he was a little pitchy. <laughs> On it. Wasn't the best folk album I've ever heard. <laughs> so that's that's my big high note. Um, we should probably let Sam go next because I, I almost took his legs out from under him. Uh, yeah, so it, I was just going to talk about how the, uh, the Culinary 226, the, the um, union out in Nevada, you know, uh, they their their leadership has strong ties to uh to harry reed the former senate uh, majority leader the, oh, the, yeah. the democratic leader and you know they they came out with this very uh dishonest underhanded attack on medicare for all saying it will undermine our our negotiated benefits which is like well, surely you should want them taken off the table because then you don't have to negotiate for them. Exactly. You, it's such a you, fucking yes. bullshit thing for people to say, like, like, oh, like the unions had to spend so much of their negotiating power to get these healthcare concessions. It's like, what if, what if the union was exactly as powerful and didn't have to negotiate for those things? What if everybody just had fucking healthcare? Then you could talk about. Then you could talk about time off. You could talk about paid family leave. You could talk no, about hours worked. You could talk about work conditions. You could talk about fucking worker equity. And and I'm not saying that this is you know, uh, I, I I'm not saying that the rank and file uh, have this mentality, but it is really like a labor aristocrat mentality. Like we've got ours, fuck you. Right. But the high note, which as Matt was alluding to is that, um, 
the a lot of rank and file within the within the culinary 226 and within unite here have been pushing back on this and there's an open petition going around and basically it culminated in today when uh when leaders of the union gathered for a press conference and then announced they weren't actually endorsing anyone. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and, and so <laughs> that can only really be seen as a, as a huge win for Bernie because if they wanted, surely if they wanted to actually stop Bernie, they would have picked a candidate, right? But they couldn't fucking do that because they knew that their rank and file would roast them. Yeah, it's really sad to see that, um, you know, them coming out and, and, and attacking Medicare for all. Um, it, it was a, uh, it was really crazy to see literally every single other Democrat other than Bernie, you know, tweeting almost the exact same yeah. thing, um, including uh, Pete Buttigieg tweeting it in Spanish, uh, which I thought was a, a wonderful touch. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it was really, really, really bizarre to see that. And and Bernie, to his credit, he responded pretty pretty well on Twitter, uh, which he his response was uh, I'll just read his tweet. He said, "I stand with Culinary Two Two Six, fighting for health care, a pension, and fair wages, making seven hundred eighty million in profit. UHS Inc. is one of the largest, most profitable hospital corporations in the country. They must put aside their greed, come to the table, and negotiate a fair contract." Nailed it. So. so he is doing the total minch thing and reaching out to the rank and file um and and just you know uh I, you know he he he's he's pulling a power move on the union leaders yeah that's right and and to supplement your high note uh sam the the big the big tweet or at least the the one that i saw going kind of viral about this was from uh zayed jelani uh, and you had a bunch of other union members who were saying more or less the same thing. Like, yeah, our leadership is like waffling or they're endorsing candidates that the rank and file doesn't actually support. Um, but we're doing this sort of wildcat support uh, for them. So like the actual workers, the actual union unionized workers, they they like Bernie. They like Bernie's plan better. Yeah. And it was also funny to see. Uh, Elizabeth Warren <laughs> do like I stand with culinary 226 oh, like of course we know when she says that she means the the leader is not the rank and file but it was, it was just especially funny because like isn't this your poli- isn't this the policy you said you support right you're fucking you're attacking your own fucking policy <laughs> right. yep. to, to ingratiate yourself to Harry Reid whoops yeah it, it happens I guess yeah so well, anyway, I think that's it. That's it's a, a high that's... note. High note. They push back. High note. Yeah, it is. Yeah, no, that's that's <laughs> absolutely high note. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Let me let me close it out with a with a with a non political high note. Uh, and that uh, something that's been bringing me a lot of joy this week is I found this really great YouTube channel called Todd in the Shadows, and <laughs> he makes these hilarious 20 minute documentaries about uh one hit wonders mm. uh particularly one hit wonders from the Jeez. 90s uh so i have just loved you know going in and and learning learning more about the bands behind uh your favorite 90s one hit wonders um to turn this non political high note into a political high <laughs> note i know we talked before about chumbawamba Chumbawamba's uh, super political yeah, though. He d- yeah, he does an episode about Chumbawamba and all of the all of the amazing They're shit they like did. Committed um, anarchists. Yeah. Uh it's it's awesome. Uh another band that I learned about is uh that Australian band Midnight Oil, huh. uh, which had that had that eighties hit, How Can We Sleep When Our Beds Are Burning? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a banger. And uh yeah. And they uh they struggled to become uh popular in america except for that one song but they're hugely popular in australia where they're from um and they are definitely one of the most like overtly political bands where like all of their songs are not just like vaguely political but like the beds are burning song is about um how they like deported a bunch of maori from this area of australia so they could build like a missile test site um 
And so, like, yeah, all of their songs are about, like, incredibly specific, like, Australian uh, political atrocities. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, amazing. Uh, the bands that uh, they allow to uh, become popular for one non-political song. Uh, <laughs> right. Well, which is exactly but, what but happened to Chumbawamba, right? Yeah. Yeah. Th- yeah, that's right. So, yeah, it's it's fun. Todd in the Shadows uh, YouTube channel. Uh, I've been I've been having a blast. Yeah, terrific. Learning about uh, top Todd in the shadows. Come on, liquid flannel. Dude, we could make it happen. I, I bet we could at this point. Because <laughs> <laughs> we get excellent guests on the show. Like, uh, for instance. Um, Somehow. Sam Knight. Sam Knight, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Yeah, what's up? Thanks for having me. It was, uh, it was fun. Oh, it's been great, man. Uh, yeah. So you said that you had a new project coming up that would be more than happy to plug if you want to do the plug. So at the end of the month, my uh, podcast co-host, uh, Sam Knight, Sam Knight, Sam Sachs and I were both named <laughs> Sam. You can see how that gets confusing. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Sam Sachs and I, we do the District Sentinel, District Sentinel Radio, uh, daily newscast, a record for the left in Washington, D.C. We, we cover um, – agency policy stuff watchdog stuff we, we get into the weeds with inspectors general report gao reports committee hearings federal register filings all that good shit yeah we're gonna uh, we're gonna and, get and like, sam Sachs on the show at some point and at that point we by the uh by the law of uh podcast con- uh conquest we own your show also. <laughs> That's right. That's yeah. right. But we're <laughs> so we're also going to be doing a weekly uh morning news show on Means TV. And Oh uh, hell yeah. We've got a a promo out on the Means uh social media. It's looking pretty good. I'm excited as hell. Um, and so look out for that. It'll be the first episode is actually uh, two weeks from today, the 27th. It'll be it broadcasts live at nine, but you can get it video on demand, uh, when you sign up for means, uh, and it should be, it should be dope. Nice. Is that, is that more or less what you guys do on, uh, the district Sentinel already or, uh, what's, what's your focus on that show? Um, well, you know, it will be it's since it's a weekly show i don't think it will be as frenetic in terms of like um you know the the, the podcast we're we're focused on daily stuff so yeah things that fall more within the news cycle things that are more timely obviously it, it'll still be timely it's just i think we might be going trying to go a little more depth into certain issues especially because well not only is it weekly but we have i think we're gosh i don't (laughs) it's a little embarrassing i'm not sure how long it's (laughs) gonna run but i think it's gonna on the spot there no 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 it's fine i i you know i think we're aiming for like 90 minute shows so oh wow yeah including an interview um so yeah we'll we'll have some time to fill and uh should should be a blast. <laughs> ninety minutes is ninety minutes is depth. approximately like five. Matthew has to go to the bathroom because he drank too much beer recording breaks. So. <laughs> just just well, if we're translating that into liquid flannel uh, metrics. <laughs> no, it'll be good. We sh- we should we'll make it work. It'll it'll. I mean, not only we'll make it work, we'll make it we'll make it shine. Absolutely. Well, man, we'll we'll be happy to to awesome. boost that. In the meantime, you're also. Um, I, I, I hear that you have recently joined Twitter. <laughs> yeah. I signed up for my first ever account. Uh-huh. Um, no, I got, I got, uh, I got axed last week. Evidently <laughs> calling Pete Buttigieg McKenzie rat boy is, <laughs> it, it violates toss. Wow. You know, actually it, I, too far. They sent Too me far. a letter back saying it didn't violate the terms of service, but also it was like the only indication that people were looking into me, and then I was banned like right after. Oh, it, Jesus. It, it might have also been because my username uh, at the time was Rat Mode Tom Perez. <laughs> and so, like, I feel like they may have gotten me on a fucking technicality and be like, oh, he's not, he's yeah. not Tom Where Perez. Is- where is Steven Crowder, you know, standing right. up for, for us on this one? Right, Come Brandon. on. What's happening? I thought this guy <laughs> I mean, it's funny because, like, you know, 
this is my my account. It's at Sam Knight Four F O U R. It's my fourth account now. I feel like if Laura Loomer just got a friend to sign her up for another Twitter account, she wouldn't have needed to fucking <laughs> ch- chain yeah, herself to the phone. Oh, she needs to go through a, a VPN or use somebody else's phone number or something. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Did you see the the new uh, Krasenstein wife account? <laughs> oh yeah, that's great. Which is absolutely being run by both of those, both of the Krasensteins. Yeah. What if his? What if uh, the? What if the wife just? You know, they're all just like that. That's why they were attracted to each other because of their Twitter style. <laughs> Is she both of theirs wives? <laughs> uh, and that's the podcast, everybody. <laughs> that's it, everybody. Uh, we are uh, we are on Twitter ourselves at liquid underscore flannel. Uh, I'm Matthew Hodges. I'm on Twitter at Matt the Great with a W. Brendan Williams. I'm at Brendan Williams with one L. And if you like uh, our content, we often do uh, bonus episodes and you can support us for as little as $1 a month at uh, patreon.com slash liquidflannelpod. Sam Knight, it's been a real pleasure having you on the show. Thanks for joining us, bud. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hell yeah. You should create Sam Knight 5 just to to get ahead of it. (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll (laughs) pre-follow. A sleeper cell. (laughs) And we'll see you all next week.